I would like to draw our attention now to the Lord's table. I think it is only right that you celebrate communion on the first Sunday of a new year. On the first Sunday of the first year of a new constitution. And that we celebrate communion on the first Sunday as a church in transition. I think it is only right that in such a situation we reach back to the fundamentals of our faith, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what we are doing this morning. We're celebrating communion and we're gathering on a Sunday, the day of Christ's resurrection. And as we are celebrating communion, we're also looking forward. We're not just remembering his death, but we're also looking forward to the time when he's coming back to finish the work he started in his resurrection. Christ is the center of our faith. Now, I'm just not saying this to cheer us up because now we are in a church in transition. We are the pastors, so, so kind of um, against all odds, you know, to cheer you on, you know, we need to keep going. No. Because when we take out Jesus out of the equation, we are reducing us to a club. We could go home now. We don't need to come on a Sunday morning together. We could sleep in, stay in our PGs all day long and watch a ridiculous TV show. We also could rededicate this building and then come together on a, on a Tuesday night as the guinea pig breeder association of Wainwright and, and, and share the latest secrets and tricks of guinea pig breeding. But we are not. We are God's people. And for this reason, Christ is our center. This has been numerously pointed out in the New Testament. For instance, the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter write that Christ is the cornerstone of the new temple. And Jesus has called himself the cornerstone of the kingdom. In Colossians, it says that Christ is the fountainhead of his body, which is the church, which is us. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus, in the upper room discourse, tells his disciples, I am the wine, and you are the branches. I would like to read this passage to you. John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, 
thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We take out Christ out of the equation. We are done. We cannot do anything, accomplish anything as a congregation and as an individual believer in life. But just imagine what potential lies in us if we are firmly grounded in Christ, remain in the wine, and the power of God flows through the wine into the branches, which is us. Just imagine what fruits we can produce as a congregation and an individual parts of it. Just imagine. Let us take communion together now. I'm reading here the words from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then in verse 25, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I wrote everything down. I don't normally do that. I have three pages, but I write big. So it shouldn't be too bad. So um, throughout... Uh, through to the end of April, uh, Michael has scheduled speakers uh, f- for us to preach for every Sunday, except for the first Sunday of, of every month. Uh, on the first Sunday, we as a church are going to um, give each of us, each of you, an opportunity to be able to share some of uh, your own stories on these Sundays by giving uh, your turn opportunities. So we've done that in the past here and there. Um, but yeah, we're going to be doing that for sure now for the next time. We'll see how long that will be. So, so if God has been in, around, and through you, if he has begun something but not completed it yet, if he has given you new insights, if you have a word of challenge or, or exhortation for us, this is your chance and your calling to share with us. We long for and need to see how God is at work among us. So if you have something you would like to share, please let me know, and we'll get you scheduled in. So I get the first one. So recently, Pastor Marvin and Lori led us through a series called Your Divine Design, How to Discern, Develop, and Deploy Your Spiritual Gifts. This was the the study that we went through. I've had a good idea what my gifting is and isn't, but I 
I got a better understanding of the gift of exhortation that God has given me. I'm going to read the description that, that was given here for exhortation. Exhortation is the divine enablement to come alongside another in need of encouragement, to reassure, strengthen, affirm, and challenge those who are discouraged or wavering in their faith. It's the ability to stimulate the faith of others. And the question a person with, with exhortation tends to ask is, what must be done to fix this? And how can we move this person to wholeness? The characteristics are gifted in counseling, see practical application in scripture, they call us to godly living, and they initiate, implore, request, and entreat. So that's exhortation in a nutshell. And uh, yeah, that's the kind of description I think I roll with. Um, the bigger challenge in this study, though, wasn't so much understanding my gift, but in understanding more about how to use it uh, and the purpose of using it. There are four key passages that talk about spiritual gifts in the Bible. There's Romans 12, there's 1 Corinthians 12, there's Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4. And in each of these, the reason God gives gifts to each of the members of Christ's body is stated quite clearly. Clearly, I'll read Ephesians 4, 1 to 16. Oops. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So did you hear it? The, the goal, the purpose of gifts, the purpose of the grace that God has given to each of us is, is this, to prepare or equip the church to works of service, to reach unity and faith and knowledge of Jesus, and to become mature. So this idea of, of 
growing together, of becoming mature together so that the winds don't toss us to and fro, that we don't succumb to different waves of teaching. That's the purpose of, of, of the gifts that God gives to each of us. We all have gifts. So I have a great responsibility to use the gift God has given me to build up his church. I'm responsible to God, and I'm responsible to you. So now how do I use this gift of exhortation? Sometimes it's just one, one-on-one, having a coffee or breakfast with a friend. Sometimes it's while three or four of us are together practicing here for a Sunday morning, and one, one of us is carrying a burden that's, that's hard to bear alone. Um, maybe it's simply a text to someone I've been praying for. And now I think I have a new way to use my gift of exhortation. Um, I've mentioned a few times that I'm, uh, I'm an avid follower of the Bible Project. They produce videos, podcasts, and classes to show how the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. Now, just yesterday, they've released an app which has a year-long reading plan to read through the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And as we read, they help to develop skills to understand the Bible as the authors originally intended. Um, so, using my gift of exhortation, I don't have... What I'd like to do is get together with a group of people who would like to follow through with this app together. Um, we're going to play a video now, which in, introduces the founders and their goal in producing this app. So, could you play that now, Bert, please? seven years here at Bible Project we've been making content to experience the Bible as a unified story that leads to Jesus and we've been making it alongside you and we're excited to announce that now we've also become a tech company. We're excited to share with you some of the tech products we're going to be releasing next year. We got a chance to sit down with people on our team and reminisce about the last seven years and also dream about the next seven years. We want to share this conversation with all of you. wanted the opportunity to ask you in person, please tell us the story of how Bible Project came to be. How did you begin your adventure? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it actually began a long time ago. Um, John and I met each other in college, and um, I had just been following Jesus for a couple years, and uh, he changed my life um, when I began to follow and live by his teachings, and, and so I had never read the Bible at any length. And um, I would actually get puzzled by like half of what he said. I was like, I have no <laughs> clue what he's talking about. But I did notice, one, I was amazed by how he treated everybody he came into contact with. But also he was constantly talking about the rest of the book that I had tried to read 
the first three quarters, mm-hmm. but it was like really struggling. But like for Jesus, it was really clear that who he was and was presenting himself to be only made sense in light of this whole book that I was finding really challenging to read. And so all of a sudden I got motivated to sign up for classes at uh, a Bible college um, that was real close to where I lived and it happened to be where John ended up too. And man, I just was introduced to um, the Bible in my first couple years of reading it as beautiful literature, my my how to read biblical literature classes, Mm. sophisticated literary art, um, ancient Israelite and Jewish context, and I just couldn't get enough. And, and what was great was that it was like mutually reinforcing where the more I gained tools for understanding biblical literature, the more Jesus became more beautiful to me and I just couldn't get enough. So I became a professional student for the next 14 years. <laughs> and, uh, and, and John and I, as our friendship was beginning, um, we would just have great conversations He's such a persistent question asker. And so I just have great memories of having really uh, formative conversations about the Bible with John. And that's kind of how our friendship began. I was very committed to Jesus, but was giving up on the Bible. Just was really confusing. Mm. And Tim was the kind of guy who I could ask the questions I had and felt like I was getting really interesting answers. But also, I was getting even more interesting questions than the questions I was asking. So Tim just started to show me that the Bible had this literary design and shape that really began to open it up for me. And I had a background in making explainer videos, so I I thought it would be cool to try to explain the Bible this way. For me, again, in those early years of learning how to read the Bible, I could both see how Jesus thought of the rest of the Bible, and I was being taught to read it in a way that was more in in tune with how he and those early Jewish, Messianic, Christian communities read read the Bible. You know, they encountered these texts much more like the way we encounter a piece of music, or like a symphony. And so learning how to track with repeated words and patterns and, and images that unify all of these biblical books together into, it's our mission statement, to experience the Bible as a unified story that leads to Jesus. I've known you for a while, Tim, and I've never heard that symphony example Mm. or illustration, and I love that, because I think my experience with the Bible was more like a lot of random notes, like things I should do or not do, as opposed to this beautiful symphony. Yeah, but a symphony is a good metaphor too, because anybody can sit down and appreciate a piece of music, but um, somebody who's hearing it for the first time or for the 700th time, <laughs> there's still more layers and um, sophistication to it. Mm. So our shorthand has become, we wanna help people experience the Bible as a unified story that leads to Jesus. But underneath that is really a whole approach and a way of thinking about biblical literature. I think it's gonna be intimidating at first, but what I've noticed is when you sit down in a classroom setting or in the podcast and people are listening or in a video, it just starts clicking. And then people get really hungry to dive deeper and see the literary structure and beauty. So there's a lot of complexity there, but it's very inviting. Like a good piece of art is inviting. Yeah, I like it because it's a group of people stewarding the moment that they have 
what is available to them at that time. And, and that's what's so exciting to me about this, is it's like never before in human history have we had this moment and this ability to reach so many with this project. Uh, one thing that's exciting to me is that even though we're able to use new technology platforms, um, the way that we're inviting people to learn how to read and engage the Bible is not new at all. We're trying to recover a more ancient and original form for how these texts were designed to be experienced um, by followers of Jesus. The next piece of this for us, at least a really big piece that we're excited about, is a Bible Project app that we've built that we're excited for you to download and use. It's a great way to get access to our resources with an interactive viewer for our videos, interactive podcast that'll sync you up with a Bible reader. So when you're reading the Bible, you can access our resources. When you're in our resources, you can access the Bible. Uh, but the other part of it, which is actually more exciting, is we're trying to figure out how do you learn to read the Bible as you're reading the Bible. So that part of the app is what we're calling skills and journeys. Yeah, uh, one of the things we're really excited about is to help people learn uh, these really ancient skills for how to read the Bible, but we wanna help you learn these skills by actually just reading through the Bible yourself. So we're crafting this one year journey where we're gonna invite people to read through the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Just, just five books. That's a pace I can get by. That's right. <laughs> and uh, uh, what we're going to build into it is this interactive experience where you're going to be tracing key repeated patterns and words and images to begin to see how the, the notes and the melodies repeat and recycle as you read uh, through uh, the Torah. And by the end of it, we hope you'll be able to actually engage the Bible in whole new ways that you wouldn't have been able to do a year before. And so there'll be other things that are featured in the app, but that's uh, a main event that we're really excited to introduce. We actually have kind of, it's been a bit of a secret piece of uh, technology <laughs> that we've had. That's a deep dive. All right, so that's, that's an introduction to this app that, that I've mentioned. So, um, so what I would like to do in the new year here is get together with any and everyone who's interested in in following through along with this reading plan. Um, they, we would read together the, the previous passage that we've studied over the last week or two and share to th together the things that we've learned. So in the reading plan, they tie in many of their resources like videos, links to podcasts and blog posts. So the ability to go as deep as you'd like is available. So the first unit or movement, as they call it, is Genesis 1 to 11, and we'll be focusing on the theme of spirit and its uses throughout the passage. So if anyone is interested in joining me, let me know. I don't have a particular evening picked yet. Um, I know it can't be Wednesday evenings. Um, so we would meet for the first time the week of, the, of January 16th. Um, I would exhort all of you to check out the app, even if you don't want to study it together. I think we would all benefit from a deeper understanding of the scriptures. So just search Bible Project app in iTunes or, or your Play Store, depending on what kind of phone you have, and it's there. It's easy enough to follow. And, uh, yeah, give me a call if you're interested. Text me. 
grab me after church, and uh, yeah, I'd love to do that. We'd have to figure out what, what days would work for, for as many people as we can. Um, but it'll be something unique and new. I've never done anything like this before. I'm not teaching it. Um, <clears throat> I would exhort you. <laughs> I would come alongside, and because I've, I've been listening to all their, their stuff for, for years now, so I have a pretty good idea of what they're talking about. But, um, yeah, we, we learn together. We read together. And uh, we get to figure out how the Bible is written, why it was written, what the author's intents were in writing, and all the themes and things that go along with, with that. So, if you're interested, let me know. I would love to do that with you. So, that's my your turn. So, let's close with a song here.